review each named podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. We got a packed show tonight. It's going to be really TV centric. We're going to do a, a couple TV news stories. We're going to talk about the newsroom's second season and its season finale, and we're going to talk about this week's Breaking Bad. Um, stick with us throughout the hour. It's going to be a good one. With me on the show tonight, I have Chris. Hello. And Sam. Hello. Um, so, guys, why don't we move right into the news, because I think this is going to be a, a packed enough show without any of our usual dilly-dallying. But but that's that's what the listeners want, Jordan. The listeners, our dilly-dallying. The listeners I don't think find, any listener has asked for that ever. The listeners find our dilly-dallying charming. Yeah. At least that's what the Review to Be Named review of the Review to Be Named podcast says. Yeah, uh, which was written by Chris. Yeah. So, Chris finds our dilly-dallying charming. <laughs> Although you did only give the the review name podcast a C plus, I believe. Well, I didn't want to seem biased. That's fair. Yeah. Although I don't know that that actually makes any sense. <laughs> um, remember when we were going to get right into the news story? Yeah. Then we started dilly dallying. God damn. All right. So the biggest news story this week, something that I am uh, quite upset about, and I imagine you guys will have reactions to as well. AMC announced today that Mad Men's final season will be split into two seven-episode halves, airing in the spring of 2014 and then again in the spring of 2015. So while we have one more year of Mad Men uh, dangling in front of us, it'll really be two half-as-long bastardized seasons that we're looking at. Uh, Sam, thoughts on this? Uh, I'm not really happy about this at all. I think it's clearly AMC took a look at the success of Breaking Bad, splitting up its season. It's having all-time high ratings. Um uh, at least all-time high for Breaking Bad. And this is obviously a play to try to milk Mad Men for all it is worth and build anticipation and maybe allow people to catch up to Mad Men. Um, while we can talk about, you know, we can talk about for another podcast, maybe when both shows are over, which show we liked more, which is better. But I think we can all agree that I think um, Breaking Bad is a show that's more conducive to people marathoning to catch up really quickly, whether it be on Netflix or DVD, just because it's kind of, you know, every week it's, you know, a, a, a cliffhanger and Mad Men's kind of a more, uh, thinky kind of slower paced show. And I don't see it building up like the frothing at the mouth, you know, fever that people had for uh, breaking bad. So I feel this is just kind of like a tedious way to milk ratings and it'll get us, it'll get good ratings in its first half of the first season, last half of the second season. And also the other big problem that it poses is that, is this going to, is the first half going to feel like a real complete season to me? I don't think so. I think it'll feel like half a season and I feel like that will be very unsatisfying. And if Matt Wiener's the control freak that we think he is, he can't be happy about that either. I think he designs his seasons a certain way to have a certain flow. So I'm not too happy about this. Fair enough. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Sam just said. I, I think um, that uh, the cliffhangers that he mentioned with Breaking Bad lend it more readily to uh, the audience being ready to come back after a huge gap to just kind of pick up where they left off. Whereas Mad Men has always been a show of when we end a season, we just kind of take a jump and we pick up the show in a completely different place. It's it's a show that uh, I personally have to kind of go back and rewatch the previous season right before the new season starts just so I can remind myself of 
what's going on with the incredibly huge cast and where everybody was at the beginning of last season just because everybody's going to be in a different place when we start off and it's important to remember all the little intricacies that took place in the last season so i don't think it's a show that really lends itself to a huge gap like a year-long gap between parts especially if there's not going to be a jump but then again maybe um that will be worked into the series with this announcement do we do we have any idea if if um that uh uh never mind <laughs> well, we have yeah, we have no idea how it's yeah. going to look in the show because Matt Weiner never tells us anything right. about how the show's going to look. Yeah, that's what um, I was that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. But he he seems to uh, you know he's at least towing the company line and saying he's excited about the uh, narrative possibilities of this. Yeah. Personally, my biggest thing is unlike Breaking Bad, Mad Men is a show that tends to get a slow start. I usually like the the premiere episodes are usually very good, and then you've got two or three, sometimes four episodes that sort of build and they move things into place and they they start to like develop what the season theme is going to be and the back half of Mad Men seasons are where things really start to take off um I've never had that never seen that as a problem in the show structure I, I like the way that it builds slowly o- over the course of the season but I think it's going to be much harder to build at the pace Mad Men likes to build at for a seven episode season to feel satisfying yeah uh, yeah I, I definitely feel like you're right there because a lot of things are definitely slow builds towards payoffs in the la- in the later season and Again, it's, it's it's not a show that lends itself to, um, like being strung out over a long period of time. Like there there are certain like beats that I really forget if I haven't like really the the previous season isn't fresh in my mind. So I, I I'm not a huge fan of this idea. I I mean I it's it's a natural reaction to AMC looking at a very scary Breaking Bad and Mad Men less world, which will seg very nicely into our next news story, but. Um, it's it it just it it's obvious it's it's a very obvious move and it it doesn't really lend itself to the best way i think you could present the final season of mad men yeah um and i i I especially find it disappointing because i was very excited uh to go into this final season of batman and i was preparing myself you know for the show to end next year and now instead it will end in two years and the vision that I had for the final season, and I imagine the vision that Matt Weiner had for the final season, will be altered in the process. Um, so yeah, I think none of us are happy about that. We could probably move on um, and just continue to nurse our wounds in private. Um, when we learn more about this, which will probably not be until Mad Men comes back, we'll return to it. Um, but for now, Chris, why don't you take us into our next news story? Okay, so uh, over... A few days ago, the AMC announced that they were going to be launching a Walking Dead spinoff, uh, a companion series that was going to be set in the exact same universe, uh, but uh, looking at a different group of characters. Um, not much more information has been presented other than that. Basically, the same executive producers of The Walking Dead will be the executive producers of this new series, but we don't really have uh, a name for this show or um, whether it's going to run uh, concurrently with Walking Dead, maybe in the same model of Buffy and Angel, where you might see certain events reflected in each, or whether this is going to be more like a once Walking Dead ends its run in the fall seasons, this spinoff series maybe picks up in the summer. Um, it's unclear what kind of shape the show's going to take yet. So really, there's not a lot of information out there yet. All we know is that a lot more Walking Dead is on the horizon for AMC, which makes sense because the third season was 
a hit for them, like a big, big hit. And when they're losing their two critically acclaimed juggernauts, it makes sense to me that they want to double down on their show that gets them the most ratings. Sam, thoughts on this? I agree with Chris. I mean, this is kind of AMC showing that shows like The Killing and Hell on Wheels and Low Winter Sun, they haven't really hit the way they would have liked. And they, you know, AMC, when they had Mad Men and Breaking Bad basically come come out of the gate back-to-back, or it feels like it was back-to-back. I don't know if it's that simple. Um, it was 2007-2008. Okay, so that's as, about as back-to-back as you're going to get. You know, AMC was kind of like this the darling of like critics and fans of like really good, interesting television, and everyone's like, AMC is this haven for amazing, amazing television. And I think what we're seeing now is just how difficult it is to... You know, find a find a show that is that of that quality, and that AMC was able to hit these two like huge home runs with these two shows, just shows how lucky they are and how rare it is um, that these types of shows come around. Now, the problem that's posed now is that AMC is a spot for these types of shows, and it has found huge success with The Walking Dead, and clearly, this that's why they're doing this. But it also shows that. There isn't. There either isn't a lot of faith in that in new programming at the moment, or just that they're going. This is the safest thing we could possibly do for something that will do pretty well ratings wise. And even if this new Walking Dead series doesn't pull the numbers that Walking Dead original flavor does, I can pretty much bet that it'll still be higher than probably anything Mad Men's really done. Um, I now now have the fervent hope that it's called Walking Dead Cool Ranch. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know some people will like it, and then they're gonna have they're gonna have a whole time with Taco Bell later. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> where they have the their... Walking Dead Taco. <laughs> yeah, you have original Walking Dead, and you have Cool Ranch. Um, cool Ranch. It would take place in Texas. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be cool. It, it would be on a ranch. Everything that happened there would be super cool. Yeah, everybody would wear leather jackets, and they'd punch vending machines. Yeah, but I remember, like, this just reminds me about, you know, you guys remember when The Killing came on, and I think The Killing was the next big show, or it felt that way, because what had we been watching on AMC prior to that? We'd been watching Mad Men Breaking Bad. The Killing came on, and we watched that, I'll speak for myself, I watched that for one season, and I didn't like it very much. I watched that with you for one season, and we both abandoned ship together. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently it came back... You watched it. Uh, so you've seen all three seasons. Yeah, right? I've seen all three seasons. What did you think about it? Um, Not I, to derail your point, Sam. We'll get back to that in a second. Yeah, no, no, sorry, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you guys. But I, I mean, I just wanted to see if I, I just wanted to see how it continued. Fair enough. That's I fair. Do that but I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that it just it wasn't on the same level as Mad Men or Breaking Bad, yeah. and that kind of happened with Hell on Wheels, and it kind of happened. It seems I haven't watched Low Winter Sun, but it seems Low Winter Sun is really, really struggling. And something that we kind of laugh about when we watch Breaking Bad in my apartment is when you watch Breaking Bad, it's so clear that AMC is so, so desperate to get you to watch Low Winter Sun. They'll say, like, we're going to show you Breaking Bad clips in the middle of Low Winter Sun. (laughs) Or it's just like, please watch Low Winter Sun. Instead of the next week on Breaking Bad, it's like... 
another if, if every week they'd show the same ad too it was like always the guy dunking the guy in the water it's like I've seen this already. I'm not interested still. I heard it's not that great. So. It's not that great. I uh, I reviewed the pilot, and and when I wrote my pilot review, I was like, eh, I'll probably keep watching this because it's not after Breaking Bad. And then literally by the time the next week had come, I was like, I just can't care enough about the show to even leave my TV on and continue <laughs> sitting in front of it. Like, like, I would have to do literally nothing to watch Low Winter Sun, and I still don't watch it. Um, But yeah, Sam, I think you're exactly right. We've seen, like... AMC had these two titanic achievements in television back-to-back, and they they sort of struggled to get any traction elsewhere. Um, we've been lucky to see them... Uh, or they've been lucky to see Walking Dead turn into a huge rating smash. So in the event that they're not getting the quality that they had on, on these two shows, they're clearly leaning in more and more on Walking Dead and what Walking Dead can offer them, which is... Honestly, more money than uh, Mad Men or Breaking Bad has ever made them. So, it makes sense to me. I will not watch The Walking Dead Cool Ranch because <laughs> I uh, don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. <laughs> mm, cool Ranch. But if it is actually set on a cool ranch, I might watch at least the pilot. It's like, hey dude, meets... <laughs> meets zombies. Well, yeah, meets zombies. Um, Shall we move yeah, on to more Yeah, I think on that we can move on, Sam. I'm going to go ahead and kick it to you, and we're going to talk about the newsroom's second season and its finale. Sure. Well, because we're going to go back to AMC a little bit. It's been a very AMC-heavy show. Um, let's move on to the HBO portion of our program. Um, season two of the newsroom ended this week, and this is the season of Genoa and the big... Uh, I guess controversy around them reporting this news story that was kind of cooked up. Etc. Etc. The thing is, this was the season for Aaron Sorkin to either prove that was it the show that was the first season of the Newsroom was that the show that this was, or was it going to change at all? Is that what we're going to get? And I'll start quickly. I think it is the show we're going to get, but Genoa was like a weird departure from what the Newsroom wants to be. Jordan, what do you what did you think about season two, and what did you think about the finale? You can get in there too. Sure. Um, I would say. Season two, on the whole, was a step up from season one. Um, I don't think any of the problems that, that we saw with the show were really fixed, but I think I think the show was more comfortable with what it was going to, to be. I think it was less... It was slightly less, I will say, smug than season one. It was slightly <laughs> less sexist than season one. Um, and it had slight... It was, it, it was slightly more effective at getting me to care about the characters in season one. Um, there are... Two or three episodes from the newsroom season two that I think I like legitimately enjoyed um, as television, which is like that's not true of anything I watched in season one. I, I pretty much hated that show from the get go. Um, so, is it a great television show? No. Is it one of my top ten favorite television shows on TV? No. Is it one of my top fifteen <laughs> television shows on TV? Probably not. But it's better than it was in season one. Is it one of my top thirty TV shows that are on TV right now? Probably not. <laughs> Is it in my top 45? <laughs> Probably not. Do I enjoy watching it? <laughs> I love all of us, all of us on the show. I tried to get a Adam O'Brien, who's written about the show for us um, this season, to come on and talk about it. Because he, interestingly, he likes the show a lot, uh, obviously, because he writes about it for us. But um, he liked season one better than season two. I was reading in his uh, review of this week's Whoa. episode. So I wanted to have him come on and talk about that because I feel like the three of us all agree like this is not a very good show that we all feel like 
some weird <laughs> compulsion to keep watching. Um, no, what you think of the finale? Yeah, I mean, I guess actually, you know what? Let's go to Chris first. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk to, and let's then we go can to get to the nitty gritty. Exactly. Yeah, I um, so I gotta say, like for me, my feelings about the show were very nicely encapsulated within the first five minutes of the season, where you had the scene where Sorkin always does a deposition scene really well. Like that's that's one of the points where he always shines. Like he he's able to work in the banter and. To, to, like, a degree that he's just on fire in. And so the opening five minutes of the season, like, when it's just Jeff Daniels talking to the attorney, um, I really liked. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is different. This is this is something new. Like, I could get on board with this. And then um, Maggie walks in, and her hair is different. And the next five minutes of them talking about, what happened to Maggie's hair? And that's really <laughs> every problem I have with this show. Very nice. And they're like, oh boy, you don't want to know. It's Maggie's be hair was the, was the smoke monster of the newsroom season two. <laughs> and then at the end it was like, oh, she cut yep. it. I think there was a little bit more mystery around the smoke monster. Though I think most of us could have predicted there's going to be a really bad episode leading up to her cutting her hair. And that was easily the worst episode of the season, I think. Um, getting back into yes. what I was thinking for a second. But like that aside... I think this time around, I was a lot more prepared for what I was going to get, and therefore very pleasantly surprised that things did marginally improve. I'm with you guys that none of the major problems were really fixed. Um, This is a show that has a lot of issues, and for for a whole number of perspectives, I think you can come at the show with um, just... just a lot of problems from a lot of different viewpoints, and you'd be right with pretty much all of them. Um, but at the same time, I think it smoothed out some of the rougher edges enough that I came away with a much more positive outlook on the show and less dread about watching it next season. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it by any means, but it's not going to be the exercise in masochism that I thought that I was anticipating going into this past season. Yeah, I mean, the newsroom. Tempered expectations helps yeah, a lot. Yeah, it really does. Um, the newsroom. Agree, Try not to care. I agree with you, Chris, that I, I feel like the season's greatest strength was in the Genoa story. Um, because it was, I think, uh, a divergence from from kind of the normal, you know, will they, won't they's, and listen to how great uh, Jeff Daniels is. I, kind of, I think it was kind of like the show taking a real storyline and actually making up a storyline. Even though this is all, it was all based on something that really happened to, I think CNN and time magazine, some joint thing they did. Well, Um, that's, I mean, that's, I think proves an argument that a lot of people had as one of the core weaknesses of the newsroom going into season one. And still is, I think is this, the decision to rely on real world events, I think has really just taken out the show's kneecap right from the start. And I, I mean, I think there's a lot we can talk about with Genoa, and I agree with you absolutely that it was probably one of the better things about this season. But I, I think you hit that nail right on the head when you say that it was a made-up story, and the fact that they spent so much time focusing on an event where they had a little bit more narrative creativity and not the backlash of seeming smug with that whole Monday morning quarterbacking the news phenomenon that was plaguing season one really just, I think, undercuts Sorkin's love sorkin's arguments and the other producers of why it's good to set this show against a real world backdrop um so i agree with both of you that that i think genoa was a great thing about uh this season and i think um 
stepping away from the real news and going into this fiction for a little while gave the show a little bit more room. But can we talk for a minute, since this is not a finale spoiler, if you haven't watched the season at all, this will spoil some things, but it's not a finale spoiler. Um, I think that the resolution of Genoa was uh, terrible. Like, um, Yes. Well, you know, it was... That episode, I think, was, like, good for a while, and then it kind of, like, shit the bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, first of all, it, it, it tried to get all of our heroes off the hook for something that, at the beginning of the season, we've been told, like, they are really going to screw up. Um, and it did so in, in a way that, like, it really didn't feel real or earned at all. It was just, like, all of a sudden, he's going to break the, all of the journalistic rules. Well, before that episode, though, I think what was what was good was, like, the show was showing they did screw up. There was institutional failure. And I think what happened at the very end of the the last, I guess, we'll call it the Genoa arc episode, is it kind of, like, it redeemed all of our main characters and just buried Jerry further. Granted, he should be buried, but it's, like... I mean, I guess it it kind of carries over into the season finale, and the, the end of the end of the season finale was very much like, "Well, everything's okay now. We're all back to normal, right? Everyone paired off with someone with their love interest. Hooray! Let's drink." It was like there's an end. There's a uh, there's an end of an episode of The Simpsons where it's like they don't really know how to end it, and everyone's trapped on a, on a desert island and there's a narrator just who shows up out of nowhere and he says and they all lived happily ever after and they were all saved by uh let's say Mo. <laughs> and it's just like oh let's just say like you know the douchebag son of jane fonda's just like he decides to take the high road and be nice about it and everyone's like well we're not going to resign and we're all going to be happy about it and it's like marriage proposals love proposals everyone's happy now except for maybe maggie it was just it was such a shitty season finale. I yeah. thought it, I thought it was really bad, um, and I think, you know, I, I think I've definitely talked about this with the newsroom. It is like a super super fantasy about journalism and about how the news should be, and I think that's fine on its face. And I think it worked for Sorkin with The West Wing because The West Wing was a complete fantasy that does not work. It was about Republicans and Democrats working together. It's about politicians who want just the best for America for the most part. And I think it largely worked because Sorkin threw them into these fictional situations where we can't really, we can't really second guess so much what they do or like how real it is, what they do. It, it's, it's easier to accept. It's easy to accept their like perfectness and on the newsroom, everyone's oh so noble and everyone knows how to, cover something or everyone knows someone who's like oh i know someone who you know my brother is mahmoud ahmadinejad and they're like oh great we got this story in the bag good job guys another win for america and i think if you look back at the west wing and you imagine that they went with like real crises and they were but they were governing them better and you had you know you had them like fighting for laws that just they that didn't get passed or something I think it would be incredibly frustrating to watch because it would be just like completely eye roll worthy. And I think you're seeing that with, um, with the newsroom. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so as we transition into talking about the finale, and I think we can continue to reference back throughout the season, obviously. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up is 
the show has not been renewed for a third season, and the prevalent rumor is that it's possible that Aaron Sorkin just doesn't want to do it anymore, um, and that the show won't come back because he's just kind of done. Um, if that's the case, it's almost certain that this episode, uh, Election Night Part 2, the finale, was written as a season and a series finale because it seems it seems like... Well, it totally felt that way. Uh, yeah. HBO has fr- freely said if they can work it out with Sorkin, they want to bring the show back. Jeff Daniels has said he wants the show back. So Sorkin probably saw this as a series finale if he's not going to do another season. Um, and I think, yeah, I agree. It definitely felt that way. For almost entirely worse, in my mind. Jordan, um, <laughs> oh, is Sorkin reluctant to bring the show back out of... He, he's just done with the material? Or is it... I, I mean, because... So is has, it the critical has, response? Or what? what is there been any re, uh, reason behind his hesitancy to come back? He hasn't said a word. Um, HBO said they'll bring it back if they can work it out with his busy schedule. Okay. So yeah. I think, like, scheduling uh, problems is going to be the answer that, that we're given, if we are given an answer. Okay. Um, I would say it's probably a combination of he realized in Season 2 that a lot of the problems from Season 1 weren't fixable because his line was that he was going to be able to fix a lot of it in Season 2, and I think he hasn't. Um, or he's Has he just... really said that? Did he really say that he was going to fix stuff? He seemed like he... When I when I read things about him going about it going into Season 2, he seemed like he was cognizant of the problems and thought that season two was going to fix it like before the, before the season started it seemed like he alluded to genoa as this sort of cure-all that was gonna solve all the problems i mean it helped unfortunately you don't have a series long i mean it it it, it was like a, a shiny light distracting us from the problems <laughs> um well let me let me throw out something else i liked about this season a lot more they they seemed to get a lot better and there, there seemed to be a lot less episodes which focused around how they would cover, like, a real actual news story that happened. Uh, they still did that periodically, but, like, specific big events seemed to fade a little bit more into the background and were more just kind of commented on here and there. And I can only think of maybe once or twice where they the actual centerpieces of an episode of how are we going to cover this big event that happened. And so I thought that that was a very specific and very marked improvement over season one. Yeah, and I think that... I think that made it easier to swallow, like, the all the nobility and the smugness that comes along with the show, is the less you see them actually Monday morning quarterbacking these news stories, the more you're like, okay, they're trying really hard, and I can kind of root for them to do well. Because um, when you do see it, it's like, ah! Yeah, yeah. it's it's... It's unbearable. Like, it's really just too smug to bear. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that they've found a better way. Like, it, it bothered me a lot less this season. And so I think that they figured out a better way to handle it. They, they, they didn't fix it. But, again, it was a it was a better approach from what we got last season. Um, and I appreciate so that. So I think we've talked a, I think we've talked a lot about... Um, than like the news story portion of what changed yeah. in season two. How do you guys feel about when we talked about the uh, premiere of season two? I think we spent a lot of time talking about the the like prevalent sexism and misogyny that was that was running through the show. How do you feel that changed or did not change in season two? Uh, Sam, why don't we go to you first? Um, I feel like a big problem was that they made like Mackenzie at times in the first season, like impossibly stupid at times, even though she's like, she's, she should be like brilliant and she supposedly is. And I feel like they stepped away. I, I, I still think 
you know, that element is there. And I think it's just kind of like, it's like just kind of a part of Sorkin's, you know, DNA in his shows. Um, I do think they made Mackenzie a better character. I think they did a better job um, fleshing out Sloan Sabbath. Um, they did not service, um, what's her name? The one who was like serving at the party. Well, what Lisa, was her name? Lisa? Yeah. She was not served particularly well at all. Um, no, I especially liked the part where, where uh, Jim was like, you don't think you're smart? You're the most authentic person oh, ever. God. Yeah, I'm like, uh, when I was watching that, I literally said, like, that's code for you're stupid. <laughs> right. So it's like, basically yeah. he was like, you don't think you're smart? Neither do I. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of horrible. Um, you know, I think part, you know, part of it is like you got another season, you got more time with these characters and you can maybe flesh them out a little bit and make them better. And I think that that, that definitely happens. But, um, you know, I still didn't like What's-Her-Face, the, the tabloid columnist. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't like how that was handled. I didn't really like that Mackenzie, like, felt... All right. Uh, do you want to get into spoiler territory here? Sure. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and move into spoiler territory? As I always say, if you've not seen the finale of the newsroom, go ahead and skip a little bit ahead where we'll be talking about Breaking Bad. Which will be very spoilery, I'm um, sure. And that's going to be... Well, we'll do a non-spoiler and a spoiler segment of that as well. But otherwise, uh, go watch the episode, and then come listen to us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now we are going to go into spoiler territory, so Sam, go ahead. Well, just that, like, Mackenzie is, like, falling all over herself to, like, accept his marriage proposal. Was anyone else, like, shocked that she would accept? This was... Because he's, this... he's been such a massive asshole that she would be like, Oh, okay, yeah, that is a big diamond. How about the fact that, once again, for the second time in two seasons of television, for me, anyway, characters who are not romantically involved at the moment just decide to up and get married? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, if, if he showed her the ring was like, I didn't return it, and they were like, let's start dating again, because we're clearly into each other, that would have been fine with me. But when he, like, actually proposed, and she was like, yes! And, like, the look on everyone's face in the newsroom when it's like, I did, by the way, I'll say, love the joke where he says, McKinsey, Morgan, McHale, McAvoy, and he's like, that's not going to work. That was funny. But, um, I didn't like, uh, the, it was just so rushed, and everyone in the newsroom's just like, yay, they're getting married! Where, like, yeah. if, if two people that I knew had dated once, but had not dated in years and kind of hated each other, walked into my office and were like, we're getting married, I'd be like, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's a terrible idea. Well, the whole the whole end of the finale was just like we're doing this, hooray! We're doing this, hooray! Yeah, it was really a uh, like it was like just... both seasons of the new rooms. It felt serious on a very weirdly saccharine note. It, 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 it everybody's so happy and upbeat, and everything's just fine, and it's gonna be okay. And um, yeah, it's it's a strange way to end the show, unless this is actually the end of the show. Um, even if it is, it feels oh, incredibly yeah. rushed. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> just, it just feels very... Cheap. And, it, and if it isn't, it's, you, you've walked yourself... I mean, we, we always say that um, Sorkin is great at writing characters whose biggest flaws are that their personal lives are a mess. And I think one of the biggest problems behind Studio 60 was um, towards the middle of that show, people started getting their personal lives together, and you lost a lot of the dramatic tension that could come from the show. I mean... I, it's kind of hard for me to imagine where the drama of a newsroom season three is going to come from when 
Reese and Will and Mackenzie are all holding hands singing Kumbaya, like, going into the next season. Unless Maggie cuts her hair again, and then it's a whole new ball game. This year it's blue! <laughs> no more wigs for Allison Pill, please. Um, so, let me, let me ask this before we move on. Do you want there to be a newsroom season three, or are you happy just leaving it and walking away? Um, do I want? Am I like wanting? Am I sitting here wanting to have another season? No, but I'm not going. Like, if someone asked me, like, if it was up to me, I don't care. Ultimately, like, if they wanted to make a new one, okay. <laughs> but if if you if you told me like, yeah, we're not going to show the last two episodes of Breaking Bad, I'd be like, fuck you, aren't? You know. So yeah, I don't really care either way. I'm not invested in it. If it ends, okay. It wasn't a particularly successful show in my mind. Um, and if it continues, I will continue to watch and just see what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Continue to watch and be uh, somewhere between mildly frustrated and apoplectic. Yeah. Uh, um, Chris? Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a season three. I mean, season two was definitely an improvement so i think i would be optimist i would be cautiously optimistic in seeing what could improve with a season three i'm not sure that you could make many improvements on top of what happened this season but there's it's it's enough for me to tune into that show just like hoping maybe we're gonna get something good and every now and then this past season i did so i gotta walk away from this season saying I wouldn't mind seeing a third season of the newsroom. Yeah, I think I will not be at all upset if I find out we are not getting more of the show. Um, However, I would actually put myself in the column of, I'd like to see another season. Um, Season two had its problems, but it it was much more consistently an entertaining television show, um, and it got a lot more right than it had in season one. And there were times in most episodes that I thought, Oh, I'm enjoying myself. Like, this is going well. They did a good job here. Um, there were, you know, there were lines of dialogue that were better. Um, there were there were banter that was better. And, like, the storylines and, and the characters were better. Um, so, with the level of improvement between 1 and 2, I would like to see a, a third season. That being said, if tomorrow the news comes out that the newsroom is done forever, I will probably shrug and go about my business. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> It might crack the top. What, what were we at? Forty-five TV shows uh, uh, shows on TV. Should it come back? But uh, I don't expect that the newsroom will ever transform itself magically into a great television show. So I can't get too invested. Um, with that, why don't we go ahead and move on um, to talk about Breaking Bad? This week's Breaking Bad, uh, Ozymandias, was. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say up front, like, one of, if not my favorite episode the show has ever done. Uh, if you have not seen this week's episode, um, are we do? is there anything we can say that's not going to go into spoiler territory? Because no. I don't think so. No, I think it kind of yeah. all is if we're talking If you about have it. not seen this episode, don't listen from here on out, um, because you really want to see we this We are not fresh. fucking around. Um, Turn it off. <laughs> we're not fucking around. Don't spoil yourself. Go watch the episode and come back here. Um, if you haven't watched it yet and don't want to come back here... We'll be back next week. Um, so with that, guys, Breaking Bad, Ozymandias, Chris, what were your thoughts? Uh, I think I was about speechless for about a good half an hour after watching that episode. Uh, it didn't... It So much was packed into that episode that it, it didn't feel like a single hour of television. It felt like 
almost about half a season's worth of developments that seemed to just fly by in about 20 minutes. It was just like I the more awful things got, the the more I couldn't look away, the more I I was watching it in real time. I usually TiVo so I can pass through the commercials, but and I really wish I had for last night because those commercial breaks were just agonizing to get through. Um it was an incredible episode. It was an incredible piece of work for everyone involved. I I I just can't think of a beat that I was unsatisfied with. Like, beat for beat, this was pretty much everything I wanted from an episode of Breaking Bad in that it just knocked me down and kicked the shit out of me for a good 44 minutes straight. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, I think. Uh, Sam, your initial thoughts on the episode? I, I agree. I think it's it's one of probably the best episodes they've done. And it was also, like, probably the most difficult to watch, I think. Um you know, Breaking Bad, like, you, you watch it and you're going, oh my god, you're saying in season two or three, how could it get worse than this? How could it get worse than this? And earlier this season, you're going, oh, how could it get worse than this? And then we're here at this episode, and I'm, I'm sitting at the end of this episode, I'm going, okay, it can't get worse than this. And I, I, I mean it, but I've also meant it, I've said it with the exact same sentiment so many times. You know, and and I'm sitting, I'm sitting watching, you know, watching, um, watching Walt and Skyler fight like that was incredibly upsetting to me. And I thought someone, I thought someone was getting stabbed in that moment. And that's, you know, that's like a credit to Breaking Bad in that you really have no idea what's going to happen week to week and minute to minute in an episode. And it's, it's one of it's reason. It's the reason why I think it's like the most exciting show probably ever made in terms of just being a thriller through and through. And I think, you know, I think this episode was not particularly hung up on plot mechanic, plot machinations or just building suspense. It was, this was the release. It felt in many ways. Um, and I think maybe all of last the, the previous week's episode leading up to the shootout, it was all kind of just building to this moment, and it's building to the moment when Hank dies. Um, and again, Dean Norris, amazing. You know, I I hadn't heard of Dean Norris before this show, as I'm sure a lot of people haven't, and he was great throughout the entire run of the show. And you know, there are only a couple episodes left, but I I will miss him for the remainder of the series, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'll echo what you guys say and just add, like, I, I felt physically nauseous uh, throughout a lot of this episode. Like, <laughs> I I was, like, actually ill uh, in my core for a lot of the episode. And I've been talking a lot. Uh, I've, I've been writing about the show uh, at the website, so if you guys want to hear more about what I think, reviewyourname.com, as per usual. Um, but I've been talking a lot about how the show's been sort of playing with uh, what we want from from it uh, in these last stretch of episodes. And I was talking a lot about how, like, I want things to get bad. Uh, I want things to get very dark. And, like, this was like a slap in the face. Like, I had asked for this, and it delivered, and it killed me. Um, I think the last time I was so stunned to silence by an episode of TV was uh, Mad Men's The Suitcase, mm-hmm. uh, where I similarly uh, was, like, literally, like, not speaking and not moving when the episode of television ended. Um, but this 
this was that on top of like several layers of like serious emotional trauma. Um, it was one of the hardest things I've ever watched on television and probably one of the best things I've ever watched on television. Easily. Now, do you want to talk about kind of the specifics, like where we are right now in the show in terms of plotting? Yeah, sure. We, what is the game plan for Walt? He, he takes uh, his daughter and he leaves her at the fire station, I assume, to be returned home. And he takes her kind of as like a piece. And I think he realizes when he's talking to Skylar how like how horrible this is that he's taken his own daughter um, and put her in the middle of this situation. What are you guys thinking about like the next move? When do we get, because we have these flash forwards and we got to get there in not a lot of time. Two episodes, right? Yeah, we got two episodes left. Um, I would expect that the next episode will probably jump us if not all the way back, almost back to where the flash forwards found, or almost to, the, to where the flash forwards found us. Because he gets in the, uh, in Saul's guy, gets in his van right. where he makes people disappear. And I'll, I'll actually be really interested to see if we actually meet the guy. Because I thought it was kind of this really interesting mystery that like maybe we just never get to see him. Oswald. <laughs> that would be great, we, but... Uh... Yeah. Also, I was actually, I was surprised that we saw Jesse again. I don't know if I'm the only one who's that, surprised that about he survived that, the, but, um, I actually that he survived the massacre well, or thought, that we wouldn't thought, see him until the very end after he uh, I was surprised that I thought that after they took him away I thought they would do the thing where it's just like well he's dead I mean see I, I figured that that uh, that's why Todd wanted to keep him alive because Todd is such a sociopath yeah. oh. uh, and it was literally exactly as terrible as I was worrying it was going to be. Um, yeah, well, now it's like oh, a fate almost worse than death. Yeah. He's a slave in the, uh, and he's like, oh, he's chained up, and he. And he has and to that, that was such a great reveal Todd too. Forever. The way that the only words from Todd in that scene are just "let's cook." They just chain him up, and they just let him slowly walk around the lab and discover the picture. And from there, it's just absolutely clear that he has no choice in the matter. Like this is his new life. There's such a great yeah. reveal. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk before we talk about any end game sure. speculation. I want to talk about the sure. phone call uh, that Walt makes to Skyler at the end of the episode because I, I think everyone uh, has sort of a slightly different take on on what that means, and I wanted to hear what you guys were thinking about uh, what the phone call meant uh, for Walt's state of mind and for the future. Well, I think it was an interesting reflection on the beginning where they give us the flashback. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this, oh, it's like this innocent little lie. And and it's just like, oh, I'm staying late to do this thing. And that served as a purpose, like to show us like how far we've come um, at the beginning of the episode to, you know, the trucks outside and the shootout. But I think having the ending, the conversation between Skylar and Walt, it just shows like the complete, like, the horrific transformation we've seen over these few seasons. And also, the the scope of the show, I feel like it's always kind of confusing because the show's been on for, what, five, six years? Uh, five years. Yeah, six years, I guess. And the show takes place over, like, a year and a half or something, which is kind of confusing sometimes. But um, it just shows, like, what a dramatic change there's been. And, like, and it, it I think it, it's a foil for the... The transformation of Walter White and just like the monster he's become. And when you see him like give the nod in the desert about just offing Jesse. Yeah. It's just 
It's just like he is a super villain. Uh, Chris, thoughts? Um, definitely agree with a lot of what Sam said, but I, I think I come towards a little like I I definitely saw that as similar to what you were talking about in your review, where the, this is Walter White. Like this is further complicating our view of Walter White the monster. This is further complicating, like it's just when you want to completely pin him into this box under this label he's still fighting for his family and i i definitely saw the phone call as him giving skylar her way out absolving skylar of her predicament with the police um and that maybe it's it would be too easy for Breaking Bad to let us just hate Walter right up into the end. And they have to still give us every now and then just a little bit of something to remind us that this is not a monster and he is indeed a man. He's a man who's done monstrous things, but you can't just pin one label or another to him. Well, yeah, this episode especially, if it's shown us anything, it's that Walt is still yeah. family, man. I mean, he doesn't, he gives back his daughter and he fights for... He fights. He legitimately fights for Hank's life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's literally willing to give up everything to save Hank. Um, yeah, I think I think what Ozymandias did that I was so impressed with was humanize Walt in a way that I I initially hadn't wanted at all. I don't think, and that I really didn't expect. I I was used to treating Walter as someone who's going to get worse and worse and further and further from his humanity until the show ended. Um. And this reminded me that he's, you know, ultimately he is a man. He's just a man who's done some terrible, terrible things. But he's still got some sliver of humanity um, that's that's driven him to return Holly and to try to help Skylar. And that I think uh, is pro- will probably drive his return um, to Albuquerque that we know is going to happen. Uh, so I think, yeah. I didn't know that it was possible, but I think that this episode made Walter White a more interesting character. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Uh, um, I also wanted to talk to you guys about the, the direction of this episode, directed by Ryan Johnson, who uh, we all like, who's done some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad before. Um, he did Fly in season three, uh, who's done some movies we quite like. He did directed Brick, he directed Looper. Um, and I thought... The direction of this was phenomenal. Um, specifically, Sam, you already mentioned this, but the the fight scene between Walt and Skyler, the way that he does the close-ups on that knife every single time, you just you knew it was going in someone, even though it didn't end up doing that. <laughs> and it was yeah, it was it was incredibly visceral, incredibly powerful, incredibly sickening television to watch. Yeah, agreed. Uh, again. Yeah, Ryan Johnson just seems to be like the perfect director for the show, as he's shown in the past. Um, he did a great job. He uses he uses that desert landscape so well, um, which is interesting because you know in Fly it was it was all it was all these like super close up of the Fly, and then in this it's kind of these expansive shots and just seeing like just these like little figures standing in the desert and then having them dissolve away at the beginning and having the having the fade in and choosing the be far away from it having it so distant mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting and this is I mean this is a show that's always I think been well directed and Ryan Johnson just slides right in very well absolutely um, 
Uh, other things we want to talk about before we do the, uh, the speculation that Sam you wanted to get into. Um, just that I have no idea where the show is going, and that's good, and that's what's great about it, and it always surprises me in the best way. I think. Yeah, I. It, that's what makes it so great, and what, and, and it's also what makes speculating about it so difficult slash pointless. Yeah. Uh, Chris. Um. Just that. Breaking Bad is going out on such a higher note than I ever anticipated it would and I had high anticipations going into this series finale and I'm really just loving every last minute of it alright yeah um, I have been yeah incredibly impressed with the show so far I think we're on a run of you know we may really uh, in hindsight be in the best run of episodes the show's ever had it's been incredible week in and week out this entire half season I think um, and yeah I despite the fact that everyone around me is asking how I think the show is going to end I really don't want to spend too much time speculating and I don't want to think about it too much because I think the show one of the things that the greatest at is confounding my expectations and making me happy for things that I never thought I wanted and sickened by things that I thought I needed to happen um, so I don't really have a guess and I don't really want to have a guess as to where things are going in these last two episodes. Uh, do either of you, did you want to add things on those? I don't shows? know. I can, guess, I can guess what happens, but I will have zero idea. I have no idea. Uh, I've got a theory, but you know what? I, I'd rather just enjoy the ride. It's, it's a demon? <laughs> a dancing demon. No, it's something isn't right there. No. Well, right. we'll figure it out next week, I guess. Uh, well, two weeks. But oh, right. Well, I was oh yeah, next no. week's show. Yeah. but okay. We'll see more yeah. things happen on next week's show, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's impossible for us to do Ozymandias justice because um, I, I I end up just babbling about all the things that I think it does amazingly well. Um, trying to trying to write a review of it last night after it was like I just need to sit in a dark room for a while with my thoughts and then try <laughs> to put them in order. Um, and I still don't think I put them in, in as great an order as I'd like. It it was a phenomenal episode of television. It was probably the best episode of Breaking Bad I've ever seen, and this is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, it was incredible. So I think with that, uh, any last thoughts before we shut down on the Breaking Bad segment? I think that's as good a place to shut down as any. All right, let's close her down. Um... As always, I want to spend a few moments plugging us. Uh, you should visit our website at ReviewToBeNamed.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ReviewToBeNamed. Um, you can you know, read all of our stuff at the website. You can comment over at the website. You can email us at ReviewToBeNamed.com. Um, and for those of you who are fans of the Emmys or planning to watch the Emmys, even though you're not fans of the Emmys, we will be doing our annual ReviewToBeNamed live vlogs, the Emmys, this Sunday, starting at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. So, uh, this will be our fifth annual live vlog. Can you guys believe that? Woo. Five years, wow. I was, I was looking at it earlier today, and I was like, we've done this five times. And we get so, more excited about it every year. Literally this year, um, there was a moment where I was like, do we have to do the live vlog? Because Breaking Bad is on on Sunday. And I will not be watching it live because of my uh, commitment to you listeners, my commitment to the live vlog readers, and my perverse commitment to watching an award show that will only hurt me. 
Um, so you should all check that out as well. It'll be at reviewtoname.com starting at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday night. Um, and with that, I guess we should move into the original Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. Uh, categorizing this week's winner has been very difficult. Um, so instead, we're going to give out a whole lot of trophies and a whole bunch of small cash prizes to all of Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, I just can't, I can't, I can't narrow it down. I, don't, I feel like it would just be unfair to anyone who worked on the show in any aspect because it, it was so incredible this week. Um, so you know what? We got a room full of trophies, right, guys? Let's hand some out. Yeah. Everyone's a winner. So, Breaking Bad. Any element of Breaking Bad. <laughs> come on down. Um, and hopefully we'll get a parade of people coming in because it would be pretty cool to see, you know, Brian Johnson, Vince Gilligan, uh, Brian Cranston, uh, Bob Odenkirk. He wasn't in this episode, but he can still get a trophy. Yeah, he can. Um, Aaron Paul, Dean Norris, who I think deserves a special shout out for this week. Yeah, Dean Norris can get two trophies. Only one. Well, that makes it all better. Only one yep. small cash prize, but he does get two trophies. That sounds fair. I think so. Um, I think we, we're about ready to close down the show. We'll be back next week with our 50th podcast. Oh, my God. So, pretty big deal, listeners. Um, those of you who've listened since the first podcast have now listened to 50 of these things. Because that's how math works. Um, so, I hope you'll tune in with that. I think we've got some good things planned for next week. For now, I have been Jordan. This has been the Review Your Name podcast. And except for the things we got wrong, we got everything right. <laughs> <laughs>